Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Big Cruise Podcast. This is episode 39. My name is Baz, and this is the first podcast for 2021. Uh, it's great to be back with you. We had a little break there, and uh, we're all refreshed and ready to go. In fact, Chris is waiting in the wings with his maritime history and cruise news. Uh, but I just wanted to take this opportunity to wish you a uh, happy new year. I know it's late in January right now, but um, it's the first opportunity we've had to to speak with you. We've got lots of news uh, to cover off today, so it's pretty much the, the center of uh, today's show. Um, but we do welcome your input as well. So if you've got a question, if you've got a cruise tip, if you want to know about a particular port or a particular ship, uh, send it through. You can do that via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Up in the top right-hand corner, join the show, and that's where you send the question through to uh, myself, Chris, or even Pete. And um, you could also use the same format to submit a ship if you wanted to complete a ship review of a cruise that you've been on in the last uh, couple of years or so now. It has been a little while since any of us have been on a cruise, and who knows, in all honesty, when we will next get on one. Uh, but we're certainly counting down the days to then. So if you have got a positive cruise news uh, review that you want to share with people, uh, to get us all re-excited and energized about uh, the opportunity to cruise, then do get in touch. We'd love to have you as part of the show. And equally, we'd love to answer your questions and share any cruise tips that you may have. Now, for those of us down here in Australia, it's uh, Australia Day um, over the next day or so. So uh, wishing uh, all of you a uh, respectful and uh, pleasant day. And uh, obviously, there's lots to talk about whether we should or shouldn't celebrate Australia Day in its current format. But uh, let's just have a little bit of respect, a little bit of love for each other and to have a peaceful day uh, no matter what you will be doing but without further ado let's get straight into uh, today's uh, podcast enjoy the show hey guys did i mention there's a little way you can help keep this uh, podcast on air 
That's right, just for the cost of a coffee. Uh, so about four Aussie dollars, about two pounds something, about two euros something. Um, you can make a donation and that helps uh, keep the lights on and keep the, the podcast uh, producing in, the, in this weekly format. Um, or you can join up as a member and make a, a monthly uh, subscription and in return receive some incredible um, bonus material as well. Um, all the details are on the show notes of each individual podcast or you can head to uh, the website buymeacoffee forward slash the big cruise pod. And uh, we look forward to uh, shouting you out if you are able to, uh, to make a little donation. Thanks in advance. And we are back for 2021. And of course, our first guest is always going to be our good friend and maritime historian, Chris Frame. Hey, Chris. Hey, Baz. Great to be back. Happy yeah. 2021. Yeah, it seems crazy to say that. We're getting towards the end of January already, but yeah, feel sad we've spoken <laughs> and uh, opportunity to wish a happy new year to uh, the listeners as well. Um, hopefully had a nice relaxing break. It's, uh, it's back into January. We've got a heap of cruise news to get through today, but um, we thought we'd start off with maritime history and I set you a bit of a challenge to come up with something a little bit lighthearted for the, for the new year. So what have you got for us? Yeah, so this is an interesting story. This is the story of the uh, cruise or the passenger ship executive, I suppose, who created cruising before there was even any ships in his fleet. Um, oh. And that sounds a little bit strange. Yeah, it, um, it dates all the way back to June of 1836. And the person I'm speaking about is Arthur Anderson. Now, mm-hmm. he and Brody Wilcox actually created P&O um, several years after this story takes place uh, as, a, as a shipping company to operate um, services between the United Kingdom and the Iberian Peninsula and then onwards to later, of course, onwards to the Mediterranean and, um, and on to Australia as well in, in, in later years. Um, and before he was involved in P&O, um, he was actually known very well as being an entrepreneurial person. So he um, you know, had lots of different business ventures and often saw things quite differently from different lens. And he'd been sort of toying with this idea of perhaps having ships that were offering voyages for, for people to enjoy from a pleasure perspective for, for years, but it really hadn't amounted to anything. Mm-hmm. So in June of 1836, he, he owned a, uh, a newspaper. It was called the Shetland Journal. Um, and this was, uh, you know, sort of his, his main sort of uh, activity at the time. And he was trying to attract advertisers to um, place adverts in his newspapers to help, obviously, with the, with the cost of running the, the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so instead of having empty space in the paper where ads, for ads that hadn't been um, sold, he actually came up with this rather funny idea of um, filling the space with pretend ads for um, holidays on ships. <laughs> so he he created this um, this ship um, called the Hyper Baron, and um, he offered cruises between um, Scalaway to Iceland. And uh, actually, I even gave uh, details of how people could could get in touch if they were interested in in the idea. Of course, that was <laughs> all directed to the newspapers offices. Yeah. Um, and so he was able to fill the um, the newspaper space, 
um, make it look like you know people were advertising. So of course it attracted other travel-related yep. advertisers to come and advertise in his newspaper. But there was no ship. There was no. Um, <laughs> there was no cruise. There was no. Um, you know, no voyage to go on. Um, but what it did do funnily enough, is it showed him that there was actually some interest in the idea and people were contacting them to say, to find out like more information about this, this experience. So all these years later, <laughs> when he was involved in P&O and they were doing um, line voyages, he was able to use that experience um, to pioneer the idea of selling passage to people to, to sort of do ship hopping where they wow. would, um, you know, board a ship, a P&O ship from, say, um, the UK and, and sail it to uh, Valencia in Spain. And then they might switch to a different ship that was then going from there to Civitavecchia. And then they might take on a different ship that was going from there to um, Alexandria and then and another one all the way back to the UK. And, and through that, through that ship hopping, you could basically have a Mediterranean cruise. There was no such thing wow. as a cruise ship, but you could have a Mediterranean um, pleasure holiday, um, and that all sort of dates back to the to the idea of his um, uh, in his newspaper. And funnily enough, he he was quite um, I suppose quite visionary because the way he describes it, you know, um, this this uh, romantic cruise holiday, or he didn't use the word cruise, but this romantic sort of adventure um, on this ship sailing between these different ports where you can do day trips and all that sort of stuff. It actually is quite um, sort of like quite visionary as to how cruises were actually advertised when they were first um, developed and, and popularized later in the 18, late 1800s and early 1900s. So um, quite, quite amazing, really. Oh, I'd love to see one of those adverts just to see how, uh, how they were doing. In fact, I was looking at some uh, some of the archives for Hong Kong America, which obviously is uh, not as old, but uh, mm. they were showing some of the adverts that they used to use, uh, you know, hundreds or so years ago to when they first started sailing the Caribbean and also yeah. the, the world cruises. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how uh, how things were promoted back then. And, and the, just the the way that so the, the writing is done and the, and the wording, it's also sort yeah. of involved and detailed and flamboyant in terms of its um, <laughs> uh, of its structure. And it, it really does paint a picture of um, this excitement and um, remarkable, you know, adventure, I suppose, that people were going on on these, on these ships. But just the thought that somebody, I guess, would have the foresight to think of the idea before – you know, 1836 yeah. is before um, line voyages on, on ocean liners were even popularized. But but not only that, um, to be, I guess, bold enough or cheeky enough to actually print it <laughs> um, <laughs> is quite something. And, and yeah, yeah they, they've actually got some of the uh, original uh, clippings and stuff in in museums um, and also at the Henderson or Henderson and Kramer collection, which is um, Rob Henderson and Doug Kramer, who, who we worked on on the P&O book. That's where we saw oh, yeah. this particular story. It's just remarkable to see um, that Arthur Anderson was um, brave enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Now, uh, moving on to more modern times, uh, we sure. had an announcement from Clear, which, as we've spoken about before, is the, the industry kind of organization. Mm. Um, they've uh, put out – well, they do an annual report every year. It's called the, the Cruising Industry Outlook Report, but they've uh, – Found out some interesting information for people's intent to cruise over the next twelve months or so. Yeah, I know they're, they're definitely um, showing that that there's a positive outlook for cruising, and they're, they're feeling pretty confident about it by the sounds of things. Um, I mean, of the people that they that they spoke to, and these are these are people who are cruisers, you know, who who mm -hmm. do travel. Sixty um, percent said that they will um, be willing to cruise in the next twelve months, which is, of course 
you know, great news because it just shows mm-hmm. that, that all the, you know, way that cruise lines have been, uh, you know, negatively portrayed in the media and stuff hasn't really um, had a long-term impact on on people's opinion of, of cruising. And, and three-quarters of people that they spoke to uh, are intending to cruise or to return to cruising within the next um, uh, the next little while, you know, like – uh, not not necessarily tomorrow, but um, we'll be we'll be willing to go. So, I think what it um, what it really shows this this latest uh, um, survey that that they've done is that there still is a strong desire to go cruising, which kind of reflects many of the other things we're going to be talking about today when it comes to cruise lines having bookings filling up in 2022, 2023, new ships still coming online, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you know, when you think about it, Baz, we're coming up on almost a year since the cruise port started, and yeah comparatively like we haven't really lost that many cruise lines and whilst there has been a number of ships that have been sold to scrap the vast majority are still operational and waiting to resume service and and i don't think that there's many other industries that really could have had almost a 12 month complete shutdown almost or practically a complete shutdown and survived as well as cruising so i think that the fact that people are so willing to book um, for future voyages is, is one of the things that's helped keep everything afloat. Oh, absolutely. There was a, another survey done by the West Australian here mm-hmm. in, in West Australia. Um, and I forget the exact percentage, but I think from memory it was the high 40%. So let's say close to 50% of West Australians intend to take a cruise within the next two years, I think it was, which in all honesty, I think is actually higher than pre-COVID times. So, yeah, okay. you know, yeah. I think people have got itchy feet and uh, are wanting to, to go somewhere and, you know, cruise maybe their option for their first holiday who knows yeah so it was um it was actually for the the clear one it was 66 percent of cruises um uh, indicated that they're willing to, to travel within the next yeah. 12 months um so that is that is just you know superb yeah. and particularly given that like you know no one's really sure exactly when every international border is going to to reopen but yeah people are still willing to do it i think that's um quite a quite a uh, you know confidence booster for the industry yeah. Um, and without giving too much away, I'm going to start inviting a different cruise line exec on every week just to give them five to ten minutes to tell us what their um, what their health mm. protocols look like. There's a lot of similarities, but some cruise lines are doing things a little bit different. So I think for the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll get a few people on well, and uh, our listeners to, uh, to understand what's going on behind the scenes. Now, one cruise line that's been back into service for, for quite some time, they did take a little pause over Christmas, but MSC will be back operating cruises from uh, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, since they resumed cruising, um, they actually had a, around 30,000 people travel on board their ships. Whoa, um, I know that many. Yeah, right. But it's, it's, and it's not even like the full fleet by any means. I think it's like two ships that they've been operating um, yep. on cruises out of um, out of Italy. But uh, Grandiosa, which is the current um, MSC flagship, which is one of their large-scale large, large scale, um, ships, she um, will be returning on January the 24th um, and she'll be doing cruises out of Genoa, taking in various Italian ports. But what's interesting here as well is that it's actually been extended to um, have a, a call in uh, Valletta and Malta. Um, okay. So just moving a little bit outside of that very limited geography that um, that they've been sailing in, I'm just sticking to those Italian ports and now giving guests a little bit more of a... Uh, you know, a bit more of a normal experience, I suppose, with their with their cruise holiday. But of course, still with all of the um, enhanced safety protocols um, on board, which is what's allowed MSC to to have done this safely for uh, well since they resumed in the what was the the northern summer, I suppose, the, the southern yeah. winter. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, you mentioned Malta there, Valletta Malta. Have you have you cruised into Malta? Uh, I haven't. No. Oh, it's beautiful. It's one of you know. There's some. There's about five iconic ports that you've got to sail into. Yeah. And I think Malta is definitely it's on my list. Malta. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. the other ports that they're going to here um, include Civitavecchia and and Naples. I mean, Naples, of course, is um, the the port for uh, Pompeii. So yeah. um, many people enjoy that. And and then yeah going a bit further afield into into Malta as well, which would be would be awesome if we could, uh, you know, for people who are able to do that and who've missed cruising to be able to actually do a safe cruise in the in the Mediterranean would be quite a lot of um, quite a lot of excitement, I bet. Yeah. Now the next bit of news probably doesn't mean an awful lot down here in Australia, but for any mm. of our listeners in the UK and possibly Ireland, um, Viking Cruises just announced the uh, the godmother of their next ship, Viking Venus. Yeah, so they have these uh, cruise lines generally have these uh, a godmother for each of their ships, which is usually the the person who christens the ship when it's when it's named and that sort of thing officially before it's entered into service. Um, and for uh, Viking Venus, they've selected Anne Diamond, who um, you know in the UK is very well known. She's had a long career. Um, in the with the BBC, particularly with um, BBC TV, she actually um, covered many many uh, sort of newsworthy events for the BBC. But then also recently has been um, a regular on BBC Radio as well. So you know British um, travellers will definitely know of her. Um, this ship particularly is um, due to enter service in 2021, so it is coming out this year. Um, and yeah, so she'll be the, the godmother and uh, responsible for naming, officially naming, I suppose, the Viking Venus when she enters service. Yeah, now um, I remember Anne Diamond as a kid. She was one of the very, very first uh, breakfast TV presenters and pretty much held the, the throne of breakfast TV in the UK for, for many, many years. Mm. So she is very well loved. And I guess it's a way for Viking, which is, I guess, predominantly uh, a North American cruise line for want yeah. of a better word um this allows them to attract probably more of a, a uk demographic yeah. uh, onto ships moving forwards which is all good news of course now we're going from um viking over to pandor next mm-hmm. which has um, made some changes to its fleet now pandor's obviously up in in asia on the yeah. Mekong and the, the burma rivers and it's a, it's a um sort of a smaller cruise line but and a name that people might not have, have heard of but it's quite quite popular up in that part of the world it, it pulls into Asian destinations throughout Cambodia, Burma, and Vietnam. Uh, and they've actually just announced that they've increased the size of the suites on their P class of ships. So there's different kind of scale mm-hmm. of ships, different sizes and dimensions. And this particular class of ships is, is the one that they're, that they're referring to, um, which will allow guests to have sort of more space on board um, for each of their, you know, each of their uh, suites that have a private balcony. Um, and then they also um, have introduced some additional amenities on board. So you can come on board the ship. There's a butler services and like, like in the best hotels, I suppose you, you walk in and there's like maybe a welcome bottle of, um, of champagne or, or a sparkling wine rather. Um, and uh, espresso machine there, so you can make your own coffee and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and if, as you say, if you've never heard of Pandor, they uh, they were pretty much the pioneers in river cruising in, in Asia. They they started the whole Vietnam Cambodia, which is now 
hugely popular with lots of different uh, river cruise operators uh, and they've got as you say different different classes of ship um some smaller some larger but um if you if you're considering a river cruise in asia then don't look past panda because i think you'll have a, a great uh, authentic experience mm. in, in that particular part of the world and next we're moving on to our friends at uh, silver sea now they floated out their next ship yeah they have the 10th ship um that they'll have in their fleet uh silver dawn um, so she has, she's a similar in terms of scale to um, Silver Muse and Silver Moon. So the same um, yep, size sometimes. and dimensions and class of ship, I suppose. Um, 596 passengers and at 40,000 tonnes. So, you know, it's uh, today's standards, a small ship cruising, but historically, I mean, that 40,000 tonnes, she's, she's, you know, not a, not a tiny <laughs> ship, put it that way. So, um, and 10, 10 ships in the fleet. So that will now, um, you know, give passengers a great deal of uh, choice, the people who enjoy traveling with them. Um, and, um, you know, it's a quite a sizable fleet, 10 ships. So yeah. um, they'll be able to go to more and more destinations and, and take in more guests, which is great. Yeah. And uh, keeping with um, floating out in new ships, uh, our friends at Costa mm. have floated out Costa Toscana. Yes. One of the LNG-powered ships that Carnival Corporation's been committed to um, in recent years. She's been floated out at um, the shipyard there in Finland where the, this class of ship is being built. Um, and this one here is one of the environmentally friendly ships. So she's got the LNG power plant. Um, they've also got batteries on board for um, electricity storage, which is great. And she has the ability to do cold ironing or um, take in uh, shoreside power, which is what, something we've spoken about um, in, in previous years. Uh, sorry, rather <laughs> in previous podcasts. <laughs> Yeah. It's funny actually when you said cold there, and I remember seeing the picture of the ship floating out, and mm. it was uh, it was all white and snowy and frosty. Yeah, yeah, and, right, yeah. And, yeah, I think sometimes we forget, like you know, it's winter in the northern hemisphere, and it just, the, the picture just kind of shocked me for for a little second there. It but, actually gets um, so cold up there in some of the shipyards that, like, when ships are having refit work done, they sometimes build. Um, like special covers over the open deck areas to protect the the workers whilst they're <laughs> whilst they're on board, or, or you know have these sort of um, almost like marquees put over the open yeah. parts of the ship to keep them warm um, and, and free from the elements. So it's it's a totally different experience to what we're used <laughs> to in Australia, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, talking about you know floating out a new ships, Carnival have um, actually cut the steel on their next new ship, Carnival Celebration. Yeah, so again, same sort of class as the um, the uh, Costa ship we were talking about. So it's one of the LNG powered ships. Um, will be very similar, I think, in scale to Mardi Gras, which has actually, whilst we were on the on our little. Um, break the Mardi Gras has um, been accepted by uh, by Carnival, so she's now mm -hmm. part of the Carnival fleet. But Celebration will be the next one, and she's actually named after one of Carnival's early um, cruise ships, which was called Celebration, um, mm -hmm. and will be entering service on the company's seventieth um, birthday, which is of course. Um, one of the reasons why celebration stands out so much because it's celebrating the um, uh, the history of um, of Carnival Cruise Line. So, um, you know, from steel cutting to building the ship is a much quicker process these days than it was uh, in, in in days gone by. And she'll start uh, taking shape there, and it won't be too long until we're talking about her floating out. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they're actually building a new terminal for uh, in Port Miami as well, the new Terminal F, which mm. will be 
specifically for Carnival, which I'd kind of forgotten about, actually. Yeah, and again, like, um, I mean, if we've got all these ships still being constructed and floating out and terminals being built, so, again, it's another um, positive indicator that the cruise lines are confident about the long-term future of, of cruising. Yeah. Now, our friends at Celebrity have got two um, announcements uh, this week, or certainly the mm. last couple of weeks whilst we've been off air. First of all, they've announced the 2022-23 Caribbean season with eight ships, which I think must be a record for them. Yeah, and it includes their newest ship, Apex, which has just been recently, um, well, a few months ago now, um, delivered to the line from uh, Chantier de l'Atlantique in um, Saint-Nazaire in France, there where these ships are being built. And she'll be joining um, the Celebrity Edge, which is another um, of the, exactly the same class. And um, these do, these two ships that you can really they can really stand out amongst um, most passenger ships because not only do they have um, a sort of a, a flattened forward profile on their bow, so it looks a little bit different, yep. but they also have this orange um, structure on the side of the ship, which is both a, a tender pontoon, but also can be raised up and and converted into a um, an outdoor uh, entertainment and, uh, and and dining venue. So quite a quite an innovative solution there. And it can go up and down the side of the ship, which is quite interesting. Um, but then there's a few others that are going to be sailing as well in the Caribbean, as you mentioned, eight. Um, and it includes some of the ships that have gone through extensive refit programs. Um, so the Summit and the Equinox, um, Millennium and Silhouette. Um, and actually on the topic of Millennium, um, she will also, as you said, there's two pieces of news. Um, she'll also be sailing to the Mexican Riviera in 2022. Yeah. So um, broadening her horizons there as well. And the, the ships that have been refurbished um, from the celebrity fleet are also wearing the new um, celebrity livery. So they've gone, they've kind of gone back to having a, um, a, a navy blue um, hull um, and the ships look very smart with their, with their new color scheme. So it looks great. Because I think they originally had Navy Hall, didn't they? Then we went white for mm. a good couple of years or so and now we're going back to the, the, the tradition, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, celebrity itself was was formed out of the Chandras line, which had the navy yeah. blue hulls, which is why it has a big X on its funnels. In case anyone's interested, because that was the old, um, the old branding from their predecessor. But um, you know, when the when the Millennium, for example, first entered service, she had the navy hull, but it had red and yellow trim. It was quite nineteen sort of ni- late nineteen nineties, early two thousands in terms of its appearance. And then they went white, and now they've gone back to a much more sort of um, sophisticated. Um, hull treatment it's it's just the one the one solid color and it looks um looks very smart yeah now we're going to pop back to the uk briefly here because um saga which is a, a huge uh, travel brand mm. uh, for, for the uk market not just in cruise but in travel in general um they've uh, noticed a, a recent uh, spike uh, in demand for, for the over 50s but actually not on our show notes here i noticed yesterday they've just made an announcement that to travel on these saga ships um, you'll be required to have the the COVID uh, vaccine. Yeah. I mean, there's more and more travel operators around the world who I think are, are talking about or thinking about that. I know Qantas, as, a, as an airline, yeah. recently said that you'd have to have um, been vaccinated in order to do uh, long-haul travel, international travel on Qantas airplanes, which, you know, cause both celebration from many, from many but also criticism from others. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a bit of a contentious um, topic. But... You know, on the on the previous point in relation to um, Saga, they're um, saying that their uh, desire or, or bookings for long haul trips um, are up 
uh, up to 90% actually. Um, yeah. And people are actually booking for longer. I think 18 nights now is, um, is the, is the standard there with, um, uh, with Saga yeah, people, 13, which was the previous year. Previously, thirteen. Did you say? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's quite a quite a jump, and I think that um, what they're what they're basically saying um, is that people are searching um, more and more for Saga cruises, but at the same time, they want to travel further afield. They want to travel for longer, um, and that you know that would be a mix of things, I suppose. Baz, like I mean, the, the company's got the Spirit of Discovery, which is relatively new. They've just introduced Spirit of Adventure, which has never had a paying, fair paying passenger on board yet. But she, she will, um, you know, it's a new refreshed fleet of newer ships, which I guess will be and a bit bigger as well. They'll they'll be um, attracting, I guess, new travelers to to Saga with their offering. But at the same time, many people who because I mean, Saga is one of those brands that has repeat guests year after year who are very fond of the yeah. ships, and they haven't been able to do it for uh, for over a year now, almost. So, um, you know, the idea of being able to to go safely around, see the world, and stay on board for a longer period of time it, it makes sense. It's very appealing. Yeah, which kind of ties in with our next uh, next bit of news as well, mm-hmm. because we, we've seen recently uh, a lot of cruise lines launch their uh, 22 and 23 world and grand cruises. Yep. This time it's Oceania's turn, mm. and they're re- releasing a 180-day world cruise, which goes on sale early next week. Yeah, 180 days. I mean, goodness. Um, they used to do make a big deal out of like 90 days around the world, world cruises, you know, and 180 days is remarkable. And I think that is reflected in the fact that the the ship takes in so many different destinations. I mean, um, it has time in 180 days to really meander around the world and, and, and check out, yeah. out. So they've got um, calls in countries in South America and Asia and Africa. They're going up to Alaska. Um, they're seeing 33 countries. Um, they're crossing something like 24 time zones. Um, but you'll notice that there's something missing from that list of places that they were visiting Two two distinct places, I yes, think. Yes, absolutely. I would say so. Um, for some reason, they're not coming to Australia or New Zealand. Um, and, you know, obviously for those of us over here, that would be a bit sad. 2023, you would hope that the Australian cruise ban would be well and truly <laughs> in the past by then. Um, but, you know, I guess you can't go everywhere. And this particular um, world cruise, I mean, 180 days, you can't really ask for more. And uh, Australians um, and New Zealanders do, do love – um, like travel that doesn't necessarily include visiting their own um, back yeah. door. I mean, before the 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 last sort of phase of the cruise boom in um, the 2010s, uh, before that, people really were very accustomed to traveling overseas to get on a cruise ship from from Australia to see the rest of the world. So um, I guess it's um, it's not asking too much really. But uh, yeah, a remarkable it's voyage a- and a bit sad that they're not coming coming our way. <laughs> Yeah, it is a beautiful itinerary. It's um, I've not seen a world cruise that, that doesn't touch on so many. Like it's it's really concentrating on South America, mm. Africa, um, the Middle East. Like it, it's all it's avoiding Europe as well. Actually, it's not only uh, yeah. avoiding Australia. So if you've if you've done a world cruise before and you want to do another one, pretty much guarantee you're not going to have ever visited half the places yeah. this particular ship has visited, which is uh, incredible. Yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, next, we're heading over to uh, Crystal. Um, mm. Now, there's been lots of different reports around Crystal over the, the past couple of months. Um, more about the fact that they're, they're a little bit quiet over in the, in the Crystal office. Um, however, um, they have come out and made a statement to say that Crystal Endeavor, their beautiful new vessel, mm. is now back on track. Uh, there were a couple of delays early on in yep. the, the shipyard due with due to supplies and things, but things are are looking good, and we've got a new release date. Yeah, so she'll be coming out in the northern summer of 2021. So for those of us in the southern hemisphere, it'll be sort of winter months. Um, being built at the MV Werften shipyard in Germany. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, uh, just delays when it comes to building ships because the shipyards themselves had to follow the same COVID restrictions as everyone else. Um, and as a result of that, they, they had to shut down um, certain operations there. But this ship here, again, like a, a different type of ship for Crystal, she's got the PC-6 hull, um, which allows her to do some more of those adventurous um, expedition-style um, sailings. And, um, you know, it'd be good to, to, hear, uh, to hear more about her and to see her entering service this year, and it's nice to see her back on track. Yeah, no, it is exactly. Now we've got uh, two last-minute pieces of news that dropped in mm. uh, in the last couple of days or so. In fact, one just uh, uh, overnight. First of all, Royal Caribbean made a big announcement uh, earlier this week to say that they're selling Azamara. Yes, yes, they are um, to a private equity firm. Um, it's reportedly um, been sold for two hundred and one million dollars. Um, so if you you know um, have a have a desire to buy a cruise line. That's sort of what it's going to be setting you back. Um, <laughs> Azamara's, uh, it's, a, it's a brand that's currently operating three ships. Um, these three ships are all of the same class. They were actually built as part of a, of a large fleet of, um, of these sort of small luxurious ships for a cruise line that went defunct. Um, and so three of them have now um, sort of been reunited under the Azamara brand. Um, and, What's interesting um, is that uh, according to the, the various news reports in relation to this sale is that it was um, an, a cash sale. So $201 million um, cash sale for um, Azamara. So quite remarkable. And I guess that, that will um, – I mean, RCI is saying that it's not going to make any um, major impact on their um, – forecasted you know revenues and uh, and that sort of thing but it, it gives azamara i suppose a chance to um have some sort of fresh set of eyes looking over it and uh, and take maybe a new direction if that's what they decide to do yeah i mean she's a very uh she's got a beautiful following very loyal uh, band of cruisers that love azamara um i wonder if maybe since silver sea became part of the the royal caribbean family that's there was a question as whether she fit. You know, Silver Sea is the small luxury line. Mm. Celebrity has become all inclusive and being the the premium line. Then, of course, they've got the the royal brand as well. Uh, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think whoever's uh, taking the reins of Azamara will do so well. Yeah. And uh, who knows? This next bit of news may or may not. I'm only speculating here. <laughs> may uh, tie into it. Uh, but uh, this morning uh, here in Australia, we found out that Princess have indeed sold the the smallest ship of the fleet, Pacific Princess. Yes, the Pacific Princess. Um, you know, she's m- much loved with people who enjoy the princess experience on a small ship. Um, and she's again part of that same class of ships. She was originally built. Um, as one of those, um, they they were all called. They all had the name with started with R and then a number. So they when they first entered service, uh, these ships were R one, R two, R three, R four. It was you know very um sort of basic naming <laughs> naming convention. But um, 
you know, they've all got the same sort of profile. Interiors are very much the same layout, that kind of thing. So that's, I think, why you were saying perhaps maybe it might be linked. But there's, again, no official sort of word about that, where, no, where no. she's been um, where she's been sold. But she will be leaving the fleet. Um, and look, I mean, um, Princess, again, is evolving as well. They've got new ships coming online. They've recently sold... Um, the uh, there's some class of cruise ships that they were operating the sun and the sea princess they've um said goodbye um to the to the golden princess which is going to recommence re cruising with piano australia and um so there's a lot of change going on at princess as well so this this isn't um necessarily a standalone um yeah, I mean, it may also have something to do with the fact that, you know, Princess are really wanting to, well, they've, they've made a statement to say that all ships will be medallion enabled, which mm. is their technology on board. And obviously a ship as old and unique as um, Pacific Princess may not be able to accommodate something like medallion. So that might be just the deciding factor into, yeah. into letting her go. But uh, there's been no secret over the years that both Oceania and Azamaru operate the other or uh, ships yep. um, have always been keen to acquire more so yep. i wouldn't be surprised if one of those two get them or even our friends in greece that have yet to decide what they're doing with their new fleet of ships who knows yeah for sure i mean um the 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 greek um acquisition of many of the of the cruise ships tend to be ones that are um tend to be ones that are older but i think the the these, these former renaissance cruise ships these are our class of ships um as you say like the companies that have run them have often wanted to to sort of base their fleets around them because they are quite unique. They are um, very high spec as well. Like, I mean, if you see photographs yeah. from the inside, they have that sort of grand staircase sort of set up that looks almost reminiscent of the Titanic era. Um, yeah. So they're kind of modern looking on the outside, fancy. But again, the other thing about this one is Pacific Princess is that she she's so much sort of smaller than the previous princess ships, pretty much every princess ship that's in service now was custom designed and built and yep. created for princess. Whereas this one obviously has a, a different heritage. So, I mean, it's all just part of that fleet renewal. And, um, but, you know, I guess for the, for those people who were used to traveling on this, on the smaller ships with the princess experience, it will be, you'll be sad to say goodbye. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And it's sad that people can't do their, their farewells because in, in previous years when ships were leaving fleets, there was always a, a farewell voyage mm. so that the loyal guests could do, but that's that's just not possible right now. Yeah. Now, a quick reminder to our listeners, if you have got any questions, I have got a couple in the pipeline for, for next week's show already. Um, but if you have got anything you want to ask either myself or Chris, do send it through. You can do so on the website in yep. the usual manner. Uh, TheBigCruisePodcast.com in the top right-hand corner, join the show. Flick it through. I've got a, I think I've got a Cunard question for you next week, Chris. Oh, and cool. we've got a <laughs> specific uh, uh, question in the, in the bag as well. So we'll be sharing those uh, next week. But before we let you go, I'm sure you've been popping out the, the usual videos on yep. social channels. What's been happening over the last couple of weeks? Well, you know, I was actually going to say, one of the things that I've been asked a lot about um, during the, during the um, festive period is about the number of ships that have been going to the scrapyards. Um, and so I have done a number of different videos, but just for the for the listeners, um, a little bit of an update on that. So there's two major scrapyards that are taking most of the retired cruise ships um, now. There's mm -hmm. the, the the scrapyard in um, Turkey, which I think we spoke. Well, we, I know we've spoken about before. Um, and then there's also Alang in India, which has historically yeah. been where many of the cruise ships and uh, ocean liners have met their uh, met their end. And there's been quite a lot of activity actually about since we last spoke. So um, Alang's definitely catching up to to Turkey, and so we've mm -hmm. seen um, 
in Turkey, actually, I'll start by saying we've seen the Asta. Um, she's been beached and yeah. um, actually almost is half gone now. There's some amazing pictures on Instagram of the ship being broken up. Um, so she, that's where she's she's ended up. But over in Alang, we've um, just recently seen um, Karnika, which is the former Pacific Jewel, um, mm-hmm. and she's been met by uh, Marco Polo, which is a former CMV cruise ship, which is really sad to see because she was um, dated back to 1965. She was one of the last classic cruise ships available, built actually originally as a Soviet um, ocean liner. So very, there's a lot of people with, with tears in their eyes when that happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, then they've also um, just taken um, Ocean Dream, which is a former Tropicale, which actually sailed in Australia at Pacific Star for a few years. Um, oh, yeah. And she, she's been um, she's been sold for scrap, um, and a Grand Celebration um, as well um, has has met her end uh, at the scrapyard there in um, in India as well. And then the Pacific Dawn um, was sold to become a cryptocurrency community off That's the coast right. of Panama. <laughs> that, Didn't last very long. Yeah, I know. We spoke about that in one of the last podcasts we did and, and that fell through. So she's actually still in Panama, but um, they've, the, the, the owners officially announced that she's been sold to, to the breakers in India and, uh, you know, Alang is the, the main scrapyard there. So it's, it's expected that she'll sail across to, to, to Alang and actually probably be scrapped next to her, um, next to her sister ship Pacific Jewel. So it's, um, yeah, it's sad news. And sorry to end it on a sad note, but that is one of the things that definitely people have been asking about because there's been so many of them. Um, but as I said at the beginning of the the podcast, this the, the vast majority of cruise ships are still still okay. You know, so there's like yeah, there yeah. three hundred cruise ships when it all um, when it all sort of went into this pause, and, and we've you know lost a handful of them, but um, most of them are still okay. Um, and the other and we've thing, we've kept building them as well. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's just it. Like, I mean, we've just spoken today about well, four or five different ones that are being built yeah, and floated yeah. out. So, um, what would happen in the past before the cruise boom became so so huge? Um, ships would be scrapped maybe one a year, two a year, or whatever. Um, and then you'd have a few years where there were none, and then there'd be a couple of others that would leave the fleets. Um, but the cruise boom meant that they were just being sold on to smaller brands like CMV and others that were taking on older ships and keeping them in service for longer. And now we're kind of seeing with the cruise pause and some of those brands having shut down that the older ships um, are, are being are retired. And it's very sad, obviously, to see something like Marco Polo go, which is so unique. Um, and I, I must say, I did get a bit of a lump in my throat when – um, I saw pictures of um, of Pacific Jewel because I was very fond. I mean, I'd sailed on that ship, lectured on board that ship. But I was very fond of that ship. But you know, they do come to the end of their end of their life, and um, and there's only so many um, places you, you can go. And yeah. even the hotel ship, like the Queen Mary, it was actually just the other day um, reveal uh, announced that the the operator of the Queen Mary in Long Beach has gone into Chapter Eleven bankruptcy protection. Um, oh wow! And I know that. yeah, and that's not the first. Um, it's not the first time that the operator of the Hotel Queen Mary has gone, that an operator of the Hotel Queen Mary has gone into financial trouble. So these, operating a ship as a hotel ship is a very difficult thing to do. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think Rotterdam is doing it successfully. Um, QE2, again, got, um, got a good following there in, in Dubai, but it's very rare to see them succeed as hotel ships. Right. So, um, yeah. Oh, and so the other thing, uh, Baz, that's going to come out this week um, is that, you know, there are, as I mentioned, um, 300 um, or so cruise ships laid up and in many cases 
they sort of just sort of sit there for days and days and days off the coast looking a little bit abandoned and um and and empty and of course it's been referred to as the empty cruise ships but they're actually not empty there's people on board there's a crew on board there's a captain on board um and so the next video is going to look at who is on board the cruise ships what are they doing how often how long are they there for and what's life like on one of the not empty cruise ships (laughs) <laughs> and on that note, if, if people don't follow her, Captain Kate McHugh of Celebrity, of course, who mm. has been on our, our podcast, um, she's got a great TikTok following, and she's been doing some um, some tours of the ship and showing how hard it is to actually find some of the crew members when you're on yeah. such a big ship yeah. as, uh, as a big celebrity ship. So, but she's on uh, Edge, you, isn't she? And, and that's a yeah, huge that's right, ship, yeah. and then they've got maybe, yeah. what, 120 or so crew on board? Yeah. Um, and they're doing all sorts of different things like – and, and just see also the, 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 you know, you see it on Instagram and, and, and um, Facebook as well, people who've taken some pictures from inside um, and they look kind of sort of semi-mothballed and that sort of thing. So, yeah, just trying to pull all that together and, um, and, and you know, let people have a bit of an, an appreciation for the people who are keeping the ships ready to set sail again. So sometime in the future, Baz, when, when we're all back at sea and this is a distant memory, um, they would have been looked after by these people, these these crew members and, and officers who yep. who must be such a strange experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, we'll put the the links to those in the show notes um, so that our, our listeners can find them and uh, find your social pages. Chris, it's always a pleasure, mate. And uh, before we know it, we'll be uh, this time next week. Yeah, thanks so much, Baz. It's been great. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.